Welcome to the podcast where relationships, confidence, and determination all converge into an amazing heartfelt experience. This is Speaking from the Heart. Welcome back to episode number 63 of Speaking from the Heart. And this is the final episode in which we're wrapping up a month of celebrating Toastmasters that have made a positive contribution to society as a whole. And again, if you are interested in ever checking out a Toastmasters club or even experiencing what some of my guests have even been through, feel free to check out Toastmasters.org. I will leave a link in the episode notes in which you can go and visit a local club close to you or even online for that matter. But this episode in itself is very special to me as it's somebody that I have gone through many years of leadership within District 38 Toastmasters, which covers eastern Pennsylvania, central southern New Jersey. And today I have the privilege to interview Joe Smith. Now I must disclose that Joe is no relation to me whatsoever, although we both have the same last names. We are definitely brothers though when it comes to Toastmasters and have been associated with that for many years. Since joining Toastmasters in 2013, Joe Smith has developed a passion for motivating others to improve their communication and leadership skills. He joined Toastmasters as part of his self-discovery journey and has gone from almost passing out during his first speech to being able to speak comfortably in front of a large audience. In the decades since becoming a Toastmaster, Joe has held numerous leadership positions at the club and district level, in which recently, Joe completed his term as district director for District 38. In this role, he was responsible for overseeing 150 Toastmaster clubs in that same vicinity area. In addition to his work with Toastmasters International, Joe's employed as a general administrator for a distributor of industrial instrumentation in Upper Darby, Pennsylvania, where he is responsible for the day-to-day operations of the company. Joe has been married to Susan for 29 years and lives in Havertown, Pennsylvania, and also enjoys NASCAR and traveling, which in this episode is definitely a much different format than some of my other formats that I've had for my interviews. So if you have been a fan of my interview formats, you might be surprised of how we switch it up in this because it was a lot more of a conversation between Joe and I about how Toastmasters has created so many different opportunities for not only himself, but for me as well. But through that, we definitely understand and learn a lot more about the ways in which we can communicate and really have the undertone of just stop caring about what other people might think when it comes to the fears and concerns when stepping inside the realm of public speaking, let alone the ways in which we can create some of that greater change in our lives. But with that, let's go to the episode. All right, we're here with Joe Smith. Joe, thanks for sharing your heart with us today. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, absolutely. And for my listeners, Joe and I have gone way back many years. We have worked together in Toastmasters quite intimately, and I am really excited that you have been able to get some time to be part of the show. I really appreciate it. It means a lot to me personally. So Joe, what I wanted to start off with is why did you join Toastmasters? What was it that really got you in the first place to say, I need this. I need help with either public speaking, with leadership. What really drove you in the first place to do that? Well, back to my story is that in 2013, I was turning 45. And I had been at the same job for about 20 years. And I asked myself, do I want to be doing this for another 20 years? I wasn't measurable. 
but I just didn't see myself doing it for another 20 years. So I was 65 and ready to retire. So I took six months or so and I took a journey and came up with a couple of things. One, get my real estate license. I had already taken some courses on it. Two, become a life coach, which at the time I didn't really know what it meant, but it sounded cool. And then three, become a motivational speaker. So in exploring all this, I was looking for a public speaking course at the local community college. And what pops up? Toastmasters. First, first meeting for free. I'm like, oh, let me check it out. It was about a 20 minute drive from my house, not too far. And I fell in love with it right away. It was just such a welcoming group of people. And over the last 10 years, they become my family where I feel comfortable around them. So why I joined Toastmasters, I was looking to become a better public speaker. In the long run, I've become a better leader and I've really explored the leadership aspect of Toastmasters more so than the public speaking aspect. Being that I've been able to see you rise in that journey personally, I definitely can attest to the fact that you have done quite a lot for yourself, being able to go from that point where you were just checking out a Toastmasters club to literally leading thousands of different Toastmasters across the different areas, which for my listeners, Joe was District 38 director a couple of years ago, which covers Eastern Pennsylvania all the way towards Harrisburg area, mostly all the way to central and southern New Jersey. Joe, when you were leading even the district that year that you did, or even the few years that you have done, I should say, because there were multiple years in which you progressed through, was there something that helped you along the way to help you to grow into getting some of that leadership experience that you just talked about? In other words, was there somebody that was an influence for you? I'm not going to say there was one in particular person. You know, I know, Josh, you want me to say you. But yes, absolutely. I'm just going for the dollars no, well, here. But it was the whole culture that is created. You're nurtured. Whenever I needed help, all I had to do was ask. And it's a great feeling when you ask for help and you have to turn away quality people because you've already had more than you could handle. And this district and many Toastmasters from around the world, we have some top-notch leaders and they're leaders there because they want to help others. Toastmasters has helped them grow both in the Toastmasters world, their personal life and their business world. And they want to give back. It's a way of giving back. So while there's not one person I can credit, and I know if I named a few names, I would leave somebody out, but it is just the culture of people helping other people go through. And that's something I'm trying to do now that I've gone from being district director to media past district director. Now I'm referring to myself as an elder statesman. So I want to be available for the people coming up because as leaders, one of our prime responsibilities is make sure we have quality leadership to follow. So all the hard work we've done doesn't go for naught and all the things that we wish we would have done can get accomplished. It's nice to see when you do something and people approve upon it. So, First off, yes, absolutely. It is a great feeling to see that, especially when people are taking your advice. It's almost like, oh, look at what I'm providing. It's really a great opportunity to see that reciprocated. And 
I've had that opportunity even through the business that I've opened earlier this year with many of my clients too because of Toastmasters. And that actually leads into my next question because I think for some people, which this is the fifth conversation I've had with a Toastmaster and I saved the best for last, I think personally, because of our relationship that we've had. Do you think that these skills that you've learned and even the people that you have transformed, do you think has rolled into your work? Because I read for the audience that you're a general administrator for industrial instrumentation. So I was wondering if that has had a positive effect for you too. Oh, definitely. Because when... I was in sales just to finish my story from before to go back is I wound up getting my real estate license and going into real estate while transitioning from my day job, which I'm currently doing into that. And I reached a point where I had to decide, do I go forward in real estate or do I go back to my day job? I decided to go back to my day job for various reasons. And in at the time, the company was struggling. I don't think it's a secret that the company was struggling financially. So I moved into the accounting role from the sales. And that taught me people just want answers. If you talk to your vendors, if you're honest with them, if you fulfill your promises, they're going to work with you. People want other people to succeed, especially if you're selling somebody's product. As long as they're going to get paid, they want you to succeed because the stronger you are as a company, the stronger sales organization, the more of your product they're going to sell. So that has helped to turn the company around. I'm not saying I did it alone by any stretch. It was a team, but having that structure in place, and making commitments, and then more important than making commitments is living up to them, helped the company regain credibility, which is huge. With that said, you have really indicated the heart of it all, which is really the team dynamic, being able to have other people. And I think we both know, and I think many of my listeners would know this too, from hearing some of the other conversations that being a Toastmaster means that you don't do it alone. You do it with a group of people, which is why we have clubs in the first place. Would you say that your team is better? And if so, has there been maybe two or three people, you don't have to mention their names or anything of that nature, but have you seen two or three people that have really changed fundamentally for the better because of those impacts that you have done? Well, the thing is with my company, a lot of the people who are with the organization at the time, they've left the organization, they've been replaced. I, I can't compare to Pete before and after, but we do have an excellent team here who has helped regrow this company. I would say in a way, maybe that team, those people that have moved on too, could potentially have been able to garner some of that experience from you to be able to move on, which is a reward in itself. Yeah, exactly. But even with that said, what would you say to someone, especially going through some of the things that you have gone through in Toastmasters, has there been any lessons learned for you? In other words, if there was something that you could pass along to somebody that's just starting out and maybe thinking about it in a professional sense, sort of what you had done, even figuring out what that career path is, is there something of a piece of advice that you would give to someone and why would you give them that piece of advice? Well, the best advice I can give people is just do it. And somebody gave me that advice and it was actually a newer Toastmaster who gave me the advice 
And he told me for speeches and other things, stop caring. Because just by doing something, you're making headway and you will never be perfect. That there is no such thing as perfect. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody wants to be perfect. But the more you do, the better you're going to get at it. It's going to be those repetitions. As long as you learn and grow from that, you are much better than you were at the beginning. So just jump in with both feet. Acknowledge that you're going to make mistakes, but just commit to learning from those mistakes. What would you say is one of those things that when you came in, you said, man, I really need to work on this. But at the end, or even looking at it now in the present, because obviously you're still involved with Toastmasters, it's something that you can say, yeah, I did really good with that. I have really improved. Has there been a set of goals that you had set out with before you started that you wanted to achieve, in other words, and you got to achieve them? And can you describe them a little bit of how you did that? Well, I don't know if there was a set of goals because when I started, there really wasn't. I didn't have a big mindset in what I wanted to accomplish. I was doing it day by day. But the one commitment I did make to myself is I was going to jump in with both if there was an opportunity that presented itself, I was going to take it. And that led me to becoming district director and other leadership things. Is because when something scared me, that was more of a reason to do it than not. And when somebody asked me to do something, as long as I was able to do it, and I mean able to do it from a time commitment and other thing, that I would do it. And one of my favorites starting my road to district director was that they had an annual conference. Actually, at the time, they did every six months. So there was a conference. And I said, I am going to sit in the front row. And here I am at the table. And who sits down next to me? It is the district director, the lieutenant governor of marketing, Ryan Avery, who was a recent champion of public speaking, Randy Harvey, who was a former world champion of public speaking, so I am there with like top echelon people and we're having great conversations. And because of that, Cynthia Brown, when she was elected district governor at the time, she asked me to be Sergeant Arms. I had no idea what the job was, but I said, I'll give it a shot. And I did it with my all. And that was what got me started in the district leadership because I was involved with the area directors at the time. And I'm like, no disrespect, but I can do that job. So that's what got me started. I was very involved with it, but I made that commitment to jump in with both feet and I haven't looked back. Cynthia Brown, unfortunately, had passed away many yes. years ago now. God rest her soul. And I have to say, looking back, we have lost a lot of different leaders, especially in our own district that have been really good. Actually, just in the other episode when I was talking to Rich Hopkins, I was talking about Charlie Wilson. And you might remember him being a past yes. district governor himself, and also been involved with different aspects of the contest too. But Joe, how did it feel that someone, especially of that stature, singled you out and said, I believe in you wanting to be able to do this. I think you have the capability of doing it. How did that make you feel? It made me feel very special because having been district director, it loses some of the bluster because you realize that I have the same fears, concerns as everybody else. 
But at the time being, especially a newer member, I'm in awe that the district director wants me. The district director knows who I am. It gave me a vote of confidence of, wow, somebody notices me. Somebody important notices me. Even with feeling like you're being noticed and being that you had that spotlight shined on you, do you feel like you paved that moment forward? Meaning that as you were building upon being area director, division director, being Club Grove, program quality, do you feel like you were able to have that same opportunity that Cynthia gave you? I tried and I encouraged people to get out of their comfort zone to try new things. And like anything in leadership, I wish I could have done more. I think there's some other people I could have developed and reached out to. But there are a handful of people, and I don't want to name a specific name, that I feel I help nurture along and encourage them to get outside their comfort. Try new things. It's one thing to try something and not like it. It's another thing to not try it at all. And then one of the things that annoys me the most is the people who don't try things because they don't know exist. Mm. That's something I really tried to make sure people were aware of the existence of it. Like if somebody doesn't want to be an area direct, fine. They have the reasons of they're familiar with the job, but if they don't know the role doesn't exist, it's like, well, that would have been a great opportunity. That's where I think we fall short sometimes. Yeah. And I think it's always about a knowledge gap, especially not knowing Maybe putting yourself into that unknown, kind of like how Cynthia put you in that unknown about, oh, what did I do as a surgeon in arms? What's the responsibilities? What is it that I'm actually supposed to be doing during the meetings and things of that nature? So I think we all have that sort of uncomfortableness, especially with doing something that is in the unknown. You mentioned something earlier about maybe some of the things that you couldn't have done, you weren't able to do. When you were going through these five, six years of leadership, especially in Toastmasters and being able to represent thousands of people, go to the different places that you have been able to go, whether that was on a virtual computer, which obviously we were mostly bound to during many years, and even maybe even some of the in-person locations that we were able to go to. With all those things in mind, is there something that you feel you wish you could turn the hands of time back and say, I wish I would have worked on this a little bit better? And is there any regret with that? I don't have regrets. That's one of the things I have very few regrets because I like where I'm at. So I don't look at that. Maybe some missed opportunities. And one of the things is I wish we could have got people to embrace pathways more. This is something that Toastmasters as an organization has struggled with. Change is bad. Nobody likes change. Just because it's different. It's not the way it was before. So if we could have encouraged people, but part of the problem is with the knowledge gap is how do you reach people? Yeah, it's like without waking them up, breaking their house at two o'clock in the morning, waking them up, how do you reach them? We have social media, emails. If people want the information, they're going to find. But learning how better to reach people and get people about, let them know the opportunities that are out there. I wish we would have chartered more clubs. And that is always a hard thing because by chartering a club, you're giving people the opportunity to change the life of 
20, 30, 40 people with the ripple effects going on. So I wish we could have done more of that to show people the benefits of Toastmasters. But because we have a finite amount of time, if people are hesitant, it's very hard to do. It is. And for my listeners that might not be familiar with Toastmasters, Pathways is the educational program that Toastmasters rolled out about six years ago now, which has had a lot of different reactions across the globe of whether it's effective, not effective, but it combines the leadership and communication styles, which I know personally for myself, I have been through both programs. I've gotten one DTM, the Distinguished Toastmaster Award in each of them. I can definitely say that Pathways does add some value if you really believe in the value that it provides. And I had believed in that. Do you believe in what you have done, Joe, in terms of not just what you have accomplished educationally, which you have definitely worked to get your DTM as well, but do you feel that maybe other people, because like you said earlier, like some people are just kind of feel gypped or maybe they didn't realize that they could have these opportunities. Do you feel that maybe it's time for people like you and I to hit the road and be like, hey, look what we can do. We've done it. How about you? Do you think that maybe more of that in-person, in-your-face sort of approach is necessary? I think to some extent that may be beneficial is to show what we can do. But we have to get over and learn how to get people because people say they want to learn. People say they want to develop. They want to get out of their comfort zone. Until they realize they have to do work to get it. So we can encourage people. We can show people what we can do. But until people really want to be helped, there's nothing we can do. We're throwing on deaf ears. And one of the things I'm going to use one of my examples with is I was close to 400 pounds a couple of years ago. And I had bariatric surgery, which is for the layman, it's the stomach stapling. And I lost almost 200 pounds. Yeah. I gained a little bit back because of COVID. I'm working to get it off. But I'm willing to talk to anybody about it. But until somebody wants to do it, until somebody is serious about it, I won't discuss it with them. They have to come to me. I can't go to somebody who is obviously overweight and said, this is what worked for me. You should try it. No. But if somebody reaches out to me and who's willing to discuss it, I am happy to talk about it in detail. And I know several people who have had it. Some of them I discuss publicly. Others I don't because they've kept it a secret. I keep their secret. So again, somebody's not ready to be helped. You can't help them. I've had great admiration for you, Joe, because I remember you being the bigger version of yourself. And You've been able to keep this slimmer version of yourself. And I have been, and I don't think I ever really told you this, and I put this on the record of this podcast episode, that I have been really proud of you for what you've been continuing to do. Because it's not easy. None of this is easy. And really, I think my next line of questioning, which we have talked a lot about your Toastmasters journey, I kind of want to get your thoughts on the bigger scope of things, the bigger world picture when it comes to the place where communication and leadership sort of collide. And I guess really, I want to start off by asking you, do you feel that we are, in a United States perspective, more especially, 
Do you feel that we are in a communications crisis right now? Yes. But if you look through history, anytime there's been a great revolution in formats, this has happened. Right now, we are able to share anything we want across the world in nanoseconds. Doesn't matter if it's true. Doesn't matter if it's made up. Doesn't matter if it's gibberish. It spreads like wildfire. Same thing happened in the printing press, where all of a sudden people were afraid because the masses could start to read things. Before books were reserved for the privileged. So when the masses got it, same thing with newspapers. Oh my God, the, we can get daily news updates. So again, this has happened. I'm sure it happened with cavemen and the cave paintings and hieroglyphics. It's like, oh, wow. We can, <laughs> so who knows how many of those hieroglyphics were made up gossip stories. Yeah, so don't worry. Happened, and I think it's going to take a few years to work out and figure out, okay, this is a system. And people to learn not to believe everything that they read. And that's tough because if you saw something in print 50 years ago from the New York Times, that story was vetted. They had clear sources before it was gone. That over time has changed because over time has changed because now everybody wants to be the first to print, put the facts to the side. But same thing with texting emails. If you wanted to talk to somebody, You'd have to pick up the phone. You'd actually have to get to a physical phone, even a pay phone, hope that they were there and answer the phone. And by that, maybe that time, yeah, maybe I'm mad at you, Josh. I want to call and curse you out. Well, it rings and it rings. Well, I have time to calm down. Now I'm upset with you. I can send you a text and say, where I don't even have to talk to you. I can let all my hostility out. And maybe it's something that I misinterpreted. And, you know, the other thing with the communication is sending a text. You can't read the tone of the text. The same words said different ways can mean something. Like I texted my daughter, we're going down to visit her this weekend. And I'm like, you looking forward to coming to see us? And she's like, sure. Something along those lines. So those four letters could mean one of a dozen different things, depending on how she meant it. And don't worry, I have my hammer and chisel in the car so that when we get back to having hieroglyphics and stone tablets and all kinds of different things, I'm ready for it, Joe. I'm ready for it. <laughs> but you make a good point in that I think sometimes we take for granted that matter of convenience, especially with a handheld device, because literally as you were talking, the phone rings here next to me and it's vibrating. It's like we can't get away from it sometimes, too especially when we're trying to do things really important, which is talk to our guests on podcast, you know? So it, it does create some of those bigger distractions. And I think that, that is a big part of it too, when we're trying to have this back and forth. But I often wonder, and Joe, I've known you for many years and I've considered you a friend. I still do after all these years because I have just seen tremendous opportunity in you that you have exercised. Is there something yet for you to do when it comes to your communication leadership journey? 
Are you looking forward to something yet that you have not yet tapped into? Oh, many, 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 many things. <laughs> and that's where, where I've struggled with my commitments to my work and actually trying to have a personal life and travel, do all these things I wanted to do is I really want to branch out because I feel I have a lot to offer other people and I don't want to sound egotistical, but I really feel that I can work as a coach and help people bring out their leadership and challenge them. So that is something that over the next year, I really want to work at and figuring out how I can make this. My ultimate goal in life is to be able to live anywhere. Not so much nomadic, but I've always lived in the Philadelphia area my entire life. I'm going to be 55 later this year, and I've always lived in the Philadelphia area. I would like to move out to the West Coast for a year or two. I don't want to be saddled to a location. With the technology we have today, I want to be able to work anywhere in the world. And I think by coaching... I can do that and fulfill my dreams while helping other people fulfill their dreams. I know somebody that is doing their own coaching business if you're interested in talking to them. <laughs> and for my listeners, I was pointing to myself. <laughs> oh, I got the letter puts before you even point to yourself. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. But I think that's really what this is about is that we know that we have this message that we want to share. And I've had featured so many different people so far that have allowed them and their own best versions of themselves be able to express something that they really want to do. And I think that for us, being that we both have been through Toastmasters, I don't think we would have ever gotten that great opportunity. We probably would have figured it out, but it would have took us a lot longer to get there if it wasn't for some of the inspirations that we've had, many different people that have been really the backbone of what has made this great. And Speaking of backbones, I would be remiss if I didn't mention about your wife, Susan, which I know she has been a tremendous support for you, even throughout Toastmasters, throughout your whole entire life. I was wondering, to close this out, Joe, if there's anything that you want to say to your wife that has been really impactful for you that maybe you haven't been able to share, but maybe the audience would benefit from hearing. So I want to give you a couple moments if you want to share that. Well, she has enabled me. She's been very supportive no matter what I've wanted to do. And there's been times where I'm like, this is a perfect example. I'm not going to be home this week. Or she asked me, what nights you're going to be home? And I looked at the counter. It's like, well, I have a Toastmasters here. I have this, this, this. So she was very supportive. She's held the home together during that time. What I'm really happy about She's been a Toastmaster herself for about four years now. And it's taken her a while, but she's starting to embrace the program. And one of the things that I encouraged her to do is to get a club that I'm not involved with. Because if you know me, and you can probably tell from this, I carry a large shadow. And the problem was the club we were in together, she was getting lost in my shadow. I like the talk where letting her get out by herself is really helped her develop. And I have seen a wonder her, but we're about to celebrate her 29th wedding anniversary. 
she's been supportive and we've grown together. And I joke that she's not the woman I married. I'm not the man that she married, but we've been able to change and grow together. And it's built our relationship to become much stronger. And I like the joke that I'm out after 50 years. So we got about 21 years left. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, then I'm out. So I'll be in my early 70s and available. <laughs> Mic drop, peace. <laughs> That's how no, I'll summarize that. But no, I'll summarize it this way. No, I love her with all my heart. And if it wasn't for her and her support and her understanding, I wouldn't be able to achieve what I've achieved. I think to close us out, I have to say that there's been many things, Joe, that you have supported me in, not only forward-facing, but backward-facing through some of the things that I've been very open about on this podcast, which I've been very open about, my suicide, my depression, my anxiety, the struggles, the ups and downs. I know that a lot of those things can be very full of turmoil, let's put it that way. But I think through the thick and thin, you summarized it right there at the end, is about really the change that we go through. And yeah, it doesn't mean that we're the same person when we start out, but it can be whatever we control it to be, whether we want to be the good or we want to be the bad, the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde sort of scenario. But I think that you're definitely not one of those people that has been ill-worded or ill-fated or anything like that. I think for me, just listening to you and the countless others, You have so much potential yet to share on this world. And I have to say, thank you for that. Thank you for being there for me, especially even now doing this with me. And Joe, I want to say thank you for being on Speaking from the Heart. It has been a true privilege to have you on the show on a personal level, but also professionally. Thank you for having me. It was a wonderful conversation. And you're doing a wonderful job here sharing your story. I want to thank Joe again for being part of the show and really showing us what it takes to not just move from one place to another, but sometimes even with those challenges that we have gone through, whether that is weight loss, especially massive weight loss, it can help us to open a whole new realm of possibilities, whether that is real estate, whether that is being a life coach, or rather being a motivational speaker. Oh, the choices. Oh, my. There are so many to choose from. Oh, yes. I'm sure you have heard a variation of those play of words because of the many different things that we have in our life. I feel that in this interview, we talked a lot about not only the things that we can do to succeed, but sometimes the things that we have as fears and concerns that are involved that we might be held back from being able to do some of those things that are necessary. And although we have talked about this as a theme in quite a number of our episodes, what we haven't talked about yet is the fact that sometimes those fears are so inherently buried that they often consume us. And we have to realize that we lived with that existence and moved past it. We have to evolve for that matter. And I know that we've had a number of guests that have even talked about that journey, but I haven't really specifically focused on what we've talked about here in this episode. And I think it's a great time to do it now as we wrap up this month of Toastmasters and honoring all these people that have been on the show on these Wednesdays in this past month of November to get to where we're at. Because I think it's more of a question about how can we communicate in a more effective way? 
Can we be able to create that opportunity that is needed in our lives by simply waving a magic wand or even doing just some of the hard work that's necessary in order to become a confident speaker, to become a confident leader? To be able to step out of the shadow of what we once was and then being able to create that change that is truly necessary. And I think that for Joe, and for the, some of the things that I have been through personally with Joe, which I have been both on the opposite side of the spectrum to being his close friend, I realize that we can have disagreements, but it's about also getting to the center and refocusing ourselves to what we can ultimately become, and in a way, become an elder statesman of helping others achieve that focus, to achieve that success. Joe is in that pivotal moment of Toastmasters in which now he's been able to help so many people throughout the years and has even helped me, for that matter, to become a better person. And I think that for many of us, when we have those individuals, even Toastmasters, for that matter, or even some organization that you can fill the blank in on, it has helped us to realize the opportunities that present themselves. One of those opportunities that I could have had was also what Joe has gone through, being district director. And unfortunately, I was not able to do that because of that same situation that happened over three and a half years ago. My own fear. You see, we covered that in quite a number of these episodes since this podcast has launched about the struggles that it takes to not only overcome some of those battles that we have in our life, but also those different things in our own life that always seem to just come up out of nowhere and knock you down. And I know that for one day, at one moment, at one time, I'll be able to have something that will say to me that I am truly successful, that I'm truly capable of doing some of the same things that Joe has achieved. But my time has not come yet. Or has it? As I reflect on even the interview that we had with Joe, but I reflect on all the interviews that we've had this past month with a variety of different Toastmasters, I think about those personal struggles that have gotten them to where they are at. Whether we are talking about the people that have been lost at sea, maybe they have had a birth defect that might have held them back. Maybe they had individuals in their own lives that have been pushing them to do something completely different. Maybe they were trying to get to some sort of different type of zing in their life that would allow them to be a force to be reckoned. All those are different themes that in our lives we can decide whether we want to embrace them or not. But the true question becomes of whether we want to embrace them, whether we want that to be our best version of ourselves. And I think that for many of us, we have that ultimate choice of deciding what is really important. Whether we decide to move forward with it or not is totally in the hands of us, and nobody else can ever dictate that. Nobody, as part of this experience, should be dictating that. But the question of should, would, or could always seems to permeate throughout existence. I think that for many of us, we often want to reflect on what could have happened if we made another choice, if we could have made another turn at the fork in the road so that we were able to see some of that success that we had in our lives, 
or was that success? You see, even as I'm speaking right now, I'm leading you down different paths, different versions of what this context could be as we wrap up this month of speeches, of insight, of inspiration, of triumph, of courage. But I think that the question becomes, what do we ultimately want to do with all this information in which we want to become some of these best people that we've had in our lives, whether that is Charles Gates, whether that is Len Tran, whether that is Rich Hopkins, whether that is Alex Olmet, or even Joe Smith. It doesn't matter what you want to be. The real question is, do you want to mirror what these people are? Or do you want to step forth into a possibility, a realm, if you will, of endless options? Sometimes we're afraid of having those options presented in front of us because we don't know where that's going to take us. And sometimes that can be our biggest detractor from being able to see what we ultimately can become. I think for the longest time in my life, I wanted to be something that everybody would be admiring. I didn't want to have the same courage or the same triumphs of maybe some of our guests, but I wanted to have a carve out where I was just accepted for who I was, to be able to be valued for the opinions and even the opportunities and even the advice that I could give, because I know I have a good story and it's darn tootin' exciting to tell it to so many different people. But I think that it isn't just about me. And that's what I've learned, especially as I've gone through even being a podcast host and even being a business owner. It's not about me. It's not about what I can ultimately achieve. It's not about what anybody else has achieved. It's about what the path can be in order for us to move forward into a direction that is not only courageous in its own right, but allows us to define what that success is which allows us to set the goals in which we want to set forth, to allow us to build the relationships with others that maybe other people can't have, maybe getting the confidence to stand in front of a room or even stand in front of somebody else that we truly like and say that I want to be with you. But deep down inside of it all is this one word that still permeates in my mind even after this interview. Determination the final value in which your speaking voice is founded on. I think that for Toastmasters has allowed me to find my determination to just keep driving forward, to keep learning from some of these people that have driven their success through the many different opportunities that they've had. It isn't just because other people wanted to see them succeed, but it's about to stop caring about what those fears, those insecurities, those concerns are to not just overcome imposter syndrome, to not just overcome the animosity that we might have with someone else, even if they're thousands of miles away or even our next door neighbor. We have to learn to evolve. And by evolving and learning the different languages that we have to do that, whether that is through speaking or a little foreign language, can we communicate in a more effective way that will help others to understand what they can do in their lives. 
I think that's what I've learned through this month of November with Toastmasters. And I think it's learned through not just the things that I have learned from these guests, but what I have discovered through the many speeches and the many opportunities that have been presented in front of me. Each of us have those opportunities if we're willing to step forward and look at them and stare at them in the eye and say that this is what I'm going to do and I won't be afraid of the consequences that come alongside with it. Because if we're able to do that, we are a Toastmaster in its own right. We can be just as successful as some of these guests have been and I can be just as successful as I continue to strive forward, learning and growing and being inspired by not just the guests, but also the topics that we have covered. And I think for that, it is worth getting evaluated on over and over again. Because we need to step outside of our shadow. Because if we're half of our former self, that might be for the best. Especially if that past version was not good enough to begin with. I want to thank again all the Toastmasters that have been part of this episode and even the episodes of the past for being part of this experience that I am living. And I want to thank you, the listeners, for entertaining this month of Toastmasters being on Speaking from the Heart. But for now, this concludes episode number 63 of Speaking from the Heart. And I look forward to hearing from your heart and your voice very soon. Thanks for listening. For more information about our podcast and future shows, search for Speaking from the Heart to subscribe and be notified wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit us at www.yourspeakingvoice.biz for more information about potential services that can help you create the best version of yourself. See you next time.